This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. We'll have John today giving a review of Carnival Magic. Also, Rob stops by to answer your Mediterranean and Northern Europe shore excursion questions. And, yep, Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. We're on a cruise right now and just can't pull off the connection to get up with Sherry on Skype. So Richard will be here in just a couple of moments to talk about this week's Cruise News. Before we get to Richard, the Cruise Radio YouTube channel, lots of new videos up there. Check that out on YouTube, obviously. And our Cruise Radio News daily updates, that can be found wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just type in Cruise Radio News. All right, Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. Big news out of Port Miami. Well, big news out of Carnival, really, about Port Miami. Um, this is one of those things that's coming down the pike. We're going to be hearing about this a lot for the next couple of years because Carnival's anniversary, they will be turning 50 in 2022. And as part of that, they're going to be bringing a new ship to Port Miami. It'll be the sister ship to the Carnival Mardi Gras. And not only will be they bringing the new ship there, but she will have a new place to kind of hang her hat because they are expanding Terminal F and doing a major refurbishment and expansion. It's part of a deal that will keep Carnival ships sailing out of there for the next seven years, I believe it is, with an extension or the possibility of an extension beyond that, which seems pretty obvious they'll continue to do. This is a big one. This will be their first LNG ship sailing out of America. So that'll be pretty big for Miami. It's And this is going to be a big growth period for Miami because several of the other cruise lines, including Virgin, they'll be launching their ship, the Scarlet Lady, out of their own port de- or their own terminal destination down there. MSC, some others, they're all building down there. So Miami's going to be the spot to go if you want to head out on a cruise. And speaking of Carnival, uh, earlier this week, Carnival Elation had some issues. This was sort of a good news, bad news scenario, and it sort of depends on how you feel about um, having your trip itinerary changed in exchange for some good stuff. So they originally were supposed to go to Amber Cove and Grand Turk, but... If you're kind of like me, who doesn't really care where the ship is going and is more about being on a ship, it might not be that bad because you got some onboard credit to spend, you got uh, uh, half of a future cruise already paid for from this. But if you were actually looking forward to going to Amber Cove and Grand Turk, that's probably going to be a little bit of a bummer for you. But on the other hand, they did get $100 per person onboard credit, plus they got 50% off future cruise credit. So at the, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're sort of getting something out of this if you're the kind of person who's okay with that. I mean, I like I said, I'm always the person who wants to be on the ship. I don't really care where it's going. But if you were actually looking forward to going to Amber Cove and Grand Turk, that may not necessarily have been a great deal for you. These next two stories are a good example of if you don't like something the cruise line is doing or a change they made, you should probably try to be heard because they typically will listen. And we'll start with Royal Caribbean with their Dine, Drink and Discover package. 
Yeah, so this is a great example. Um, they originally had this package that was available to people who were sailing on Oasis-class ships in either Boardwalk or Parkview balconies. And it came with a few perks. It was, you know, a meal at Johnny Rockets, that kind of thing. They sent out a letter saying that they were discontinuing that and that instead people would be given a $50 per stateroom onboard credit. Well, they very quickly heard from a lot of people who weren't very pleased with this. So they sent out a letter to the travel agents that basically said, uh, not basically, it directly said, we didn't get this one right. And they changed their position. So they're now saying you can either get the $50 onboard credit or you can get the original perks that went with that stateroom. But there is a condition that's only available for sailings between now and January 1st of 2020. Um, so while they didn't completely spell it out, it basically sounds like after that, this will no longer be available still. And the second story was with celebrity cruises. Right. And again, this is a case of they made a change, people didn't like it, and so they changed their mind. The change they made was with regard to in-room movies. You could rent in-room movies um, for, well, they previously had been free. They were going to start charging fourteen ninety-five per movie for each one. And people did not particularly like that, so they made their voices heard. And celebrities said, you know what? We hear you. We understand you don't like this. So they took them back to free again. So you're right. It's a really... Uh, we've seen this time and again. We've seen it with room service menus. We've seen it with, with various things that if people react loud and strong, sometimes the cruise lines listen. Because at the end of the day, the cruise lines have to make people happy. Yeah. It looks like the first cruise line is going back to Freeport, Bahamas, like less than a month after the storm hit. Yeah, this is a big one because um, when Dorian hit, the several parts of the Bahamas took really, really hard hits. Others were perfectly fine, as they made a point of saying. But this is big news because uh, Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line is going to be the first line taking passengers back. Now, several ships and several lines have been going back and forth with relief efforts and taking supplies and taking people to help and volunteers. But this is the first time that like paying customers will actually be going back on board a ship uh, they'll be stopping in Freeport. At the same time, they also announced that their other ship, the Grand Classica, is going to be going to Nassau, which is new for them. So the big question that comes out of this is if Freeport is is in good enough shape that Bahamas Paradise can go back, how long will it be before the other cruise lines go? They made a big point of saying um, that it's it's very important to get back as soon as possible, not just because the cruise lines need the revenue, but the ports need it as well. The ports rely on tourism and they need that money coming in in order to further the the rebuilding and, you know, get themselves back on their feet again. And it looks like Royal Caribbean is going to amplify one more of their ships. Yep, this time around it's the Explorer of the Seas. This will be right before she starts her Mediterranean season in the summer of 2020. They'll be spending about $110 million and this is... Sort of the typical updates that they've been giving on the various ships that they amplify uh, over the last couple of years. They'll be getting the resort-style poolscape that's proving really, really popular. It's also the two-story lime and coconut bar that's become their signature poolside bar. They'll be adding Giovanni's Italian Kitchen. They'll be adding the Perfect Storm water slides. And, of course, if you are going on a cruise, what's the one thing you can't leave behind? Starbucks coffee. They'll be getting a Starbucks on that ship as well. So this ship is going to be, if I'm tracking here, it's going to be refurbished and then in 2020 start sailing the Med after the refurbishment. That's right. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of ships lately, huh? This Very, yeah, this is 
This is sort of similar to when Carnival was doing so many refurbs. And you just every time you turn around, there was a refurb. Yeah, uh, the, the Funship 2.0 thing. Yeah. And the last story here deals with Norwegian Cruise Line. I mean, they're just going gangbusters up in Alaska. They just spent $20 million on a port that they're trying to get developed in Juneau. And now it looks like they're trying to develop a part of Ketchikan. Right. This is an interesting story because what they're doing is there is an old, I believe it's a logging facility, that they want to turn into their own uh, a berthing area for two ships. It would be two mega ships. So we're talking they would be able to do, like, say, the Bliss and the Joy up there. The problem is this is about seven and a half miles outside of Ketchikan. And Ketchikan has written a letter to the Army Corps of Engineers who have to sign off on the permits that would be involved here. And the city of Ketchikan, um, via the mayor, has raised several issues, not the least of which is that this would be taking money away from Ketchikan, which it very much needs because it relies on that money coming in from the cruise, not only from the cruise passengers, but that the cruise ships pay when they come in. Uh, to sort of pay for all of the local municipalities and all the things that the cruise passengers use. But at the same time, they're also concerned that in order to get people from this place, which is, I believe it's called Ward Cove, it's 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 an eight, mi- it's eight miles outside of Ketchikan, so you would have to have a system of buses running back and forth. They estimated it would be about 120 buses a day, meaning 120 bus rides, not like an actual 120 number of buses. And they said they just don't have the facilities for that. If there's an emergency out at this this docking area outside of town, it that area relies on a volunteer department that might not be able to handle it. So there's there's a lot of different yeah. issues that they're saying really need to be looked at closer. Now the paperwork seems to indicate that this has already been started. Um, you know they've already started working on this new facility out there. So it'll be interesting to see if this letter from the mayor has an impact and they decide maybe they have to pull away from this. Listener question comes from Chelsea. Email your questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net. Chelsea says, what's the deal with the Carnival drink package and sailing from New York City? Is it true you can't use it on the first day of your cruise? It is true. And the deal with it depends on who you ask. <laughs> um if you say if you are sailing on Carnival out of New York City, and I believe it's Galveston as well, you cannot use the drink package on the first day. You don't pay for that first day, but you also can't use it on that first day. Any drinks you purchase are are basically put on your sign and sale card, and you have to pay them at the end of the trip. If if you are sailing on, say, Norwegian, and you have a drink package, you'll notice that you can use it, in fact, out of those ports. But what they do is they charge you the tax. Um, there's there's tax regulations. So I think when you are sailing out of New York City on Norwegian and you pick up, say, say you're buying a $10 drink, there might be 50 cents tax on it. That tax goes on your account and you have to pay that at the end of the trip. But But your drink package does work. Carnival says that they don't do it because of tax regulations. Um, but as far as I can tell, since other cruise lines do are, are able to do it, it's really just that they don't necessarily want to deal with the problems that would come around doing that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it makes bookkeeping easier, right. whatever. Right. I mean, you're not getting charged that day anyway. I do know, just to speak on top of that, is I bought a vodka soda on the first day in New York, and it was seven twenty-five, and I got charged $0.64 cents local sales tax right. for so New York City. if you were doing that on Norwegian... Um, the 7.25 would be covered by the program. The 64 cents would be put on your card. You would actually right. have to sign something saying, "Yes, I will pay this 64 cents." All right. Been talking with contributor Richard Sims. Richard, as always, thanks, man. 
Always glad to be here. We always like answering your shore excursion questions. Rob is here today fielding your questions from cruisingexcursions.com. Hey, Rob. How you doing, Doug? Good, buddy. First question. Barcelona looks pretty scenic. What do you suggest? For Barcelona, I would always recommend our essential collection, Barcelona Highlights Tour. So it's not too strenuous. It's a four-hour tour, so a nice half-day excursion. And it really gives you the best of Barcelona. So you're going to take a walking tour across Las Ramblas, where you see all the street performers. And a walking tour through the Gothic Quarter as well, to take in all the ancient architecture that Barcelona has to offer. As long as hearing about all the works of Antoni Gaudi, and you may get to see some of those sites as well. And of course, a gorgeous view of the Sagrada Familia. Obviously one of the most famous cathedrals in Europe. Um, there is an option to uh, purchase tickets for this um, with the tour, and you can do that within your free time, um, if that was an option for you. But this tour really gives you like the best of Barcelona and a really good overview of the city. And it's one of my favourite cities in, um, in Europe, kind of behind Berlin. Um, it is fantastic. So I would definitely recommend a Barcelona Highlights tour. Next question. The best thing to do in Geiranger, Norway? And with most of the, the ports within the fjords, they're these little tiny fishing villages and tourist towns. So they don't really like to have the hustle and bustle of the city. Uh, but they each have their own unique charm. So for Geiranga, I would always recommend our Eagle Road, Floydal Juve viewpoint, and the Mount Dalsniver tour. And it really takes in some of the best views that Geiranga has to offer, going to some of the really high elevated vantage points that give you, you know, views across the whole fjords and the other ports of calls as well. And it is just a tiny small tourist town, and the coach will drive you around all these little winding roads um, up the mountain. And it is really charming uh, if you've seen pictures of the, fjord, of the fjords. You know, it's like a different world, like Lord of the Rings or something like that. It is amazing. So the tour would take you to Mount Dalsniba. Again, you're taking those, those views there. Again, to Flydor Gorge. And also a drive along the Eagle Road and a trip to the Norsk Fjord Centre, where you can see some local exhibits um, typical for the area. So it is um, quite a short panoramic tour, but it really just gives you a nice overview and takes you some of the... Some of the best that Geiranga has to offer, which is, you know, the, the mountains and the scenery that surround the, uh, the area. Becky has the next question. We're heading to Northern Europe on Carnival Legend next summer. Any advice for Belfast? Oh, lovely ship. Lovely. Um, so, yeah, definitely for Belfast. Um, I think it's becoming more and more popular. That people want to go and take tours there. Um, I think Game of Thrones has a lot to do with this as well. Um, but our Belfast Giants Causeway and City Highlights Tour would really give you the best of Belfast. It would take you to the Giant's Causeway, which is a World Heritage Site, and that's made up of 40,000 interlocked basalt com- columns that were formed by the volcanic eruption. There is another story that goes that they were built um, by a giant that lived in Northern Ireland, and he built them across the sea to England to rescue his lover. So I prefer that story, I think, over the volcanic eruption. Um, but it is a sight to behold. It is absolutely fantastic. And then once you've spent time at the causeway, you then moved to Dunluce Castle. Now, that was used in Game of Thrones um, as the Iron Islands and Castle Greyjoy. So if you are into the show and um, you want to take some pictures there and, and get a feel for it, it's definitely worth a visit. And then the tour will round up with some free time given in Bally Castle, which is um, just a picture postcard Irish town, really quaint, really beautiful. And you get some free time given there if you want to get some lunch or some souvenirs to take back. Um, and then with a return back to the port, of course. So even though it's just a short tour, 
It really does give you a nice overview of Belfast, taking some of the main highlights, such as the causeway and the castle there as well. Rob, would you by chance pass like the, the shipyard where a Titanic was built? Do you believe so? Yeah, that's yeah. normally kind of where the ships would port. Mm-hmm. So you would kind of pass through that area, the Titanic Quarter as it's known, um, on your panoramic drive through Belfast. Cool. So you would get a glimpse of that, but it wouldn't really take in that aspect of Belfast within the tour. Ryan has the next question, things to do in Gibraltar. Ah, Gibraltar. Um, I'm a huge fan of Gibraltar. I went there when I was younger, and it's like um, it's like Britain abroad. It's quite strange. Mm-hmm. But I definitely recommend taking a tour there. Um, as with all ports of call, you know, to get that benefit of the guided tour and the knowledge, um, you know, it's not to be missed. So, of course, Gibraltar is famous for the rocks and the apes, which is what everyone wants to see. So the tour starts from the port, little drive along Winston Churchill Avenue, very English, uh, where you get to the Spanish border, and you'd head to the east side of the rock, through the Dudley Ward Tunnel, and the most southerly point of Gibraltar, which is known as Europa Point, and that's where you know, the famous site of the rock is. And from there, you'll go up to the nature reserve, you know, where you'll see the apes, uh, make sure you keep your handbag closed and your wallet in your pocket. Um, I had a funny experience when I was there, they took my uh, digital camera, so... Uh, <laughs> So make sure you keep hold of those. And then once you spend some time at the Apes, you go to St. Michael's Cave, the siege tunnels as well from the World War, and also the Morris Castle. It's just a short tour. You'd fit all that in within two hours. Because Gibraltar is a very tidy place, of course, and everywhere is just a stone's throw from each other. But then you would have the option if you wanted to stay in Gibraltar town, um, do your own exploring, souvenir shopping, maybe a bite to eat. The guide will always give you that option as well to finish the tour and make your own way back to the port. The tour I did in Gibraltar was really cool because the monkeys are there, right? And you get to interact with them. And so mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but I had my iPhone and I had my hat and eyeglasses on. Well, the monkey jumped on my back and he took my hat and eyeglasses and then he ran, <laughs> he ran up the hill. And I'm like, oh, crap, I'm never seeing these again. <laughs> so I kind of went to go get my, you know, to kind of be like, I don't know, here, monkey, here, monkey, whatever. <laughs> and so I looked at him and he was holding a flyer, like a newspaper and ignoring me and acting like he was reading the paper. The monkey was. So then one of the tour guides finally lured him with a well, banana, actually, to get my mm-hmm. stuff back. But it was, it was interesting because I've never had an interaction with a monkey like that. But in the caves, you, um, in the tunnels, rather, you get some great shots of the ship from the tunnels as well. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the cave part of the tour is optional mm-hmm. because um, there's kind of some steps that lead there. So if, if you weren't able to get there then, of course, you can sit that part out. But it's definitely worth taking in a trip to the cave, like you say, for the, um, the photo opportunities and that sort of thing. Last question comes from Christopher. We are porting in Chivashevekia. That is the port for Rome. Do you have anything to do while we're in Rome? One thing I always stress with Rome is when you port at Civitavecchia, it's actually about an hour and a half from Rome. So by taking that guided tour, you know, it includes your transfer there. And it's one less thing for you to worry about. And that's all taken care of for you. So the tour that I would recommend for Rome is our Rome Complete Tour. And it really gives you you the the main sites that ancient Rome has to offer. Of course, there's so much to see in Rome that you can't literally see everything. But it gives you a nice overview and takes all the most famous sites. So you get a panoramic viewing of the Colosseum from outside. You would then commence a walking tour that would take you in the Trevi Fountain, where you can flick a coin over your shoulder for good luck. Also a trip to the Pantheon which is an absolutely breathtaking um, ancient building, and um, one of my favourite sites in Rome, to be honest, and really did blow me away. And, of course, you get to see Piazza Navona, famous for its fountains, its eateries, all the little shops there. 
and there'll be some free time given at perhaps an Avona. You know, so you can go get yourself a little bite to eat, a coffee, an ice cream, do some people watching, just watch the world go by. The tour would move then to St. Peter's Square, which is, of course, home of the Vatican. Now, this tour doesn't include entrance to the Vatican. We do have another tour that includes that. But it would give you um, free time given in St. Peter's Square. So you'll see the entrance to the Basilica. And I'm not a religious person. But when I went to Rome, um, at the Vatican, there was a choir performing. Um, I believe it was on a Sunday. Quite emotional and quite fascinating to see. Okay, so the guided tour, just take a lot of walking. So it's up to like two kilometres of walking on this tour. So I would advise, you know, if you do have limited mobility, maybe a wheelchair that you need to use, uh, maybe a smaller group tour or a private tour probably would be more suitable for you to get the best out of Rome. But I think it's always worth taking that guided tour. So you don't miss anything and you're not walking around with your blinkers on and not taking in that really everything that this fantastic city has to offer, all the history and the culture, um, and to really make the most of it and then head back home with some stories to tell your loved ones. You know, what you said about planning in advance for Rome, that's my number one tip for anyone ever going to Europe at all, is mm-hmm. make sure you pre-book your excursions, no matter who they're with or who they're from, because, you know, Europe isn't a port. Like when you get off the ship in Chivashevekia, you're not going to be downtown Rome. You're still a good hour and a half away. Or if you get off the mm-hmm. ship in Livorno, you're not going to be at Florence or Pisa. You're still a good 45 minutes away there. Exactly. So you always mm-hmm. want to pre-book these excursions before you head to Rome because you're going like on a bucket list trip and you want to make sure you, you know, dot every I and cross every T. Exactly. You know, and it's not worth putting it in the hands of public transport or anything like that and taking that risk, you know, to have your transfers. And like I say, it's one less thing for you to worry about then and one less thing off your mind and you can enjoy your day. And I have to ask, but cruisingexcursions.com does guarantee you back to the ship, right? 100%, Doug. Uh, we 100% guaranteed to have you back to the ship on time um, and we've never missed a ship. So that's something we do pride ourselves on, of course. We've been talking with Rob from CruisingExcursions.com. Thanks for taking the time to answer these questions, man. We'll talk to you next month. I look forward to it, Doug. Pleasure as always. Thank you. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. 
Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. John and his family just returned from a 14-night cruise on board Carnival Magic. I know you're thinking they don't do 14-night sailings, but he actually did a back-to-back cruise on Magic. How you doing, John? Doing really well, Doug. How are you doing? Good. Just curious here, because you live um, close to Port Canaveral, and Carnival Breeze, at the time of recording, is based in Port Canaveral, but you drove down to Miami for this back-to-back. Why did you do that? The biggest draw for us on this one was the itinerary. We really love the Southern Caribbean. Uh, So the eight-day ran down to uh, Aruba and Curacao, so we love hitting those islands. And it also offered stops in Grand Turk and Half Moon Key. And uh, we had never done a stop in Half Moon Key, so that was really cool uh, to be able to go there once. But then we also got an opportunity to go twice on the sixth day uh, because it went back to Half Moon Key, Grand Turk, and Amber Cove. So for us, um, you know, the itinerary, uh, trying a new ship, um, you know, it was worth uh, the drive down to Fort Lauderdale. Unfortunately, it's not, not bad at all from driving just outside Port Canaveral. Um, so we, we really, uh, you know, wanted to, to give it a go and booked it and wanted to try our first back-to-back. That's right, because Carnival Magic took the place of Carnival Conquest in that six-night, correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So you make your way down to Port Everglades. Did you do any pre-cruise time there? Uh, we didn't. We got up uh, Saturday morning real early. We were down at the port probably a little after 9, uh, so no traffic at all. It was a really nice time to, to get down there, and it was a uh, you know an easy trip down. Do you normally park at the pier at Port Everglades? Yeah, we usually do. Um, anytime, like if we go to Miami or Port Canaveral, uh, just for ease of parking, we just we usually park right there at the port. Um, plus, it's nice to be able to, you know, when the trip's done, to walk off the ship and have your car right across the street. So we try to park at the, at the port uh, anytime we drive. Amen. So you get to the cruise terminal itself. How was embarkation for you? Embarkation was really good once we got in the building. I will say the staging area outside of the terminal was a little bit uh, chaotic. Uh, we were there, like I said, a little before 9. I think we were down in line somewhere around 9.30, and they didn't open up the terminal till about 10.15, 10.20. And they had, Miami does a really good job where they separate uh, the priority line and the normal line. And at least this sailing, they had it all kind of jumbled together in one area. Uh, So it was creating a lot of confusion, and there was quite a large crowd waiting to get in the building. Um, Once they opened up the doors, we breezed right through security, and then we were uh, uh, turned platinum on the second leg of this trip. So I was fortunate to get my priority access the first leg as well. So that was really nice that Carnival offers that. Um, So we were able to take advantage of the priority boarding. So we went right upstairs and then we were on the ship uh, by 1040. That is the fastest time I've ever been on a ship on board. It was incredible. Well, I've I've never cleared a ship before 11 o'clock. That's really fast. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we were, we were waiting for, uh, you know, uh, guys, uh, pig and anchor, to mm-hmm. open up. We had, we, you know, they hadn't even started serving the barbecue yet. <laughs> we were on so early. That's when you know you're on early. So you make your way you on go. board the ship. What were your impressions of Carnival Magic? It was really nice. Um, you know, they bring you in uh, to the nice kind of the old school atrium. You know, they hadn't, uh, it's not like the Vista where you only had the three decks. You've got the full, you know, atrium with the glass elevators and everything. So that was nice to have. And, you know, it's like any Carnival ship. The layout was really good. It was easy to find our way around. Um, you know, I mentioned we had turned platinum, so we were able to go straight to our cabin. So we went up, dropped our bags, and then uh, went to go find lunch. So uh, quick and easy, and it was nice to be on board. It felt, uh, you know, felt like home for the next two weeks. Have you sailed Vista or Horizon yet? 
We did. We did Vista actually um, last February with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a similar itinerary to the Southern, uh, Southern Caribbean on that one as well. And we really liked uh, Vista a lot. I'm um, curious. So a lot of similarities between Magic and Vista as yeah. far as the layouts and things. But we felt like Magic handled the crowds a little bit better because, you know, they hadn't gone full in on the uh, maximum cabin capacity <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, that they're trying to do on the newer ships. But uh, we definitely enjoy Vista, and we really like the Magic as well. I'm curious what your thoughts are, though, because, like, as far as the whole atrium shift they've been doing, going from the old-school open-air atrium to the three-deck atrium, which one do you prefer? I like the, the old-school atrium, mm-hmm. and that's probably because I grew up cruising Carnival back in the 90s. So, you know, I'm in the fantasy class and, you know, Celebration and things like that had that kind of atrium style. So it's just kind of nostalgia, I think, for me. Um the Vista's atrium is really nice with the, you know, the funnel that they've got in there. The LED funnel is really cool, and the different, you know, uh, art and stuff they display on that through the week is nice. It's nice to have that atrium, and I felt, too, like Magic, they utilized it really well for events, parties, you know, uh, music. And there was always a violin uh, group in, in there in the evening, so it was just a nice place to kind of have a central gathering port on, point on the ship. What was your first carnival ship? I think it was the Celebration was the first one that we had okay. gone on. Long gone now. Yeah, over at Bahamas <laughs> Paradise Cruise Line, I guess. With yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. Um, so you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? We were fortunate. We were. I was careful to book the same cabin for both weeks, so we were uh, in a spa interior, and uh, it was really nice. It was just enough, you know, no problem at all for my wife and I, space-wise, good storage, um, you know, nice, clean room, and the location was great. We were up on Deck 11, forward, um, just up under the spa and, you know, as far as convenience to get into the Lido deck and anytime we wanted just to run out to the pool or, uh, you know, get around the ship, it made it uh, pretty easy. So we were very, very happy with our location. Did that deck, uh, deck 11 forward, is that with the observation area out front? It is. Um, we were down the hall, a Mm -hmm. few cabins from that. Uh, but it was really nice to be able to have access to that, particularly having an interior cabin. Um, this was the first time we'd actually done an interior. So we were a little bit you know, hesitant, or I guess we were a little bit concerned that it might be a bit claustrophobic after two weeks, but we ended up really enjoying it, and having that outside deck kind of makes up for not having your own personal balcony, because very rarely was anybody else out there, and anytime we would go in and out of ports, it was really nice to just run up there and watch us come in and and leave, so it was really convenient. Yeah, Carnival does have some of the largest inside staterooms at sea as well. If you've ever sailed Norwegian or Royal Caribbean especially their older ships, the inside cabins, it's almost like you're in a coffin in there where know, they should have a little that. bit more space. Definitely. Carnival is very generous on that, so yeah. we, we enjoyed it. It was it was just fine for the two of us, and we never had any problems with the room the whole time we were there. Let's talk about the dining on board. Of course, you have a couple of specialty-type restaurants on Carnival Magic, but we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience in there? We had the uh, early seating, and we were in the aft restaurant for uh, this sailing, the Southern Lights uh, restaurant. It was really nice. We had a table for two right by the window. Uh, Service was excellent both weeks. We ended up uh, changing our wait staff. We kept the same table for the two weeks, but they did a rotation uh, from the eighth day to the sixth day. So we lost our our, uh, wait staff from the first week, uh, but the second group was just as good. And uh, the food was excellent. Uh, we really enjoyed our time there. Um, service was superb. I mean, we were always in and out. I was amazed at how quickly they got us in and out every night. Um, I don't think we had a meal over an hour 
and that was including appetizers, you know, entree and dessert. So really nice job. Everybody was super friendly. We were just, you know, very pleased with our dining experience on Magic. It was top notch. Table for two. Did you just request that or did they assign you just a table for two? I did request that. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a PVP um, and also uh, anytime if we use a, a travel agent as well, I'll, I'll request that. And usually we find that our our requests are honored. I know platinum status supposedly gives you some priority on that, so I don't know if that helped at all. But uh, I think it was nice as well. There were a lot of families and large groups on this sailing being the summer. So I don't know if the demand was as high for the two top tables. So we were just really fortunate to be able to get a table like that near a window. So it was really enjoyable. Let's go up to the buffet now, the Lido Marketplace. How was your experience in there? In past reviews, you might recall we're not huge buffet fans, Mm -hmm. uh, but we did get in there for breakfast omelets, and uh, we enjoyed the deli um, and the cakes as well uh, for the desserts. You know, they always they've got the new cake menus out on a lot of the ships now. So my wife and I enjoyed going in there after lunch or you know, between lunch and dinner and grabbing those uh, during the day because they would change them out uh, through the week mm-hmm. uh, and offer different selections. But uh, as far as overall layout and flow um, with any Lido um, you know, experience I've had on Carnival ships, they can get really crowded at, at certain times of the day. So if you were there during peak breakfast or lunchtime, uh, obviously it was extremely crowded. And sometimes it was hard to find a seat. Um, but usually if you, you know, you look around and move towards the back of the buffet, we could usually find somewhere to, uh, to camp out and enjoy our lunch. Did you check out the seafood shack? You know, we had talked about it and being on board for two weeks, it's like, I can't believe we didn't do it, but we never did, um, have a meal back there. We went by and looked at it a couple of times and just, you know, I guess there were just so many other offerings and we were never unhappy with our dining experience at dinner. You know, we never really felt inclined to, uh, do anything outside of the steakhouse. That was the only one that we did extra uh, during the two weeks. How was Guy's Burger Joint in Blue Iguana Cantina? Excellent as always. I did pretty well. I restrained myself. I only had three Guy's Burgers over two weeks, which was was, was pretty good for me. Um, we did enjoy some burritos, you know, lunch and breakfast, so that's always a nice uh, option. And uh, my wife had tried the taco salad bowl as well and really enjoyed that. So, um, you know, those are great venues and this is one of the things to me that really kind of sets Carnival apart is the dining venues and the included options that they give you, um, you know, are second to none. And it's just really nice to be able to have all those varieties and choices, particularly when you're on a ship for two weeks, you yeah. know, you get kind of tired of the food and, you know, you have so many options that, you know, we, we never really kind of ran out of choices. So it was nice to have all that available. You know, it's funny you say that because I was on the Carnival Horizon on the transatlantic last May. Um, from Barcelona to New York, and there was that was one thing you never ran out of food options on that ship. You, like you could go to get Italian for lunch, or you could go to Bonsai Sushi, or you know, there's always a meal available. You could pretty much dine exactly. at a different place every day if you wanted to. And speaking of like Bonsai Sushi, did you go to Bonsai Sushi or the Steakhouse on board? We did the Steakhouse. We mm-hmm. didn't do sushi. My wife's not a big fan of sushi. So we just kind of stuck, you know, to the the venues that we both enjoyed. The steakhouse was excellent. We've always had a good experience on Carnival Steakhouse evenings when we choose to dine there, and this was no exception. It was it was a very good meal. Service was excellent, and uh, we really enjoyed uh, our dining experience there. Did you do the Italian restaurant or have any pizza? Definitely hit up the pizza, and uh, we didn't we didn't do the Italian restaurant. I just like I said, we were so happy with our. Our dining experience in the main dining room, we never felt inclined to 
to venture out. We always do the steakhouse. We love that. Um, but I'm not a huge Italian fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just tomato sauce sometimes gives me terrible heartburn. So we tend to, to stay away from Italian. But uh, you know, it was it looked like a great option and certainly was another uh, venue. If you really enjoy Italian, I've heard it's excellent. So. Um, you know, and then the value is great too. It's only fifteen dollars a person, so it's it's certainly a, a nice option if you really enjoy Italian food. How was the entertainment on this? Um, well, the eight and the six night. I mean, did it vary from both weeks? The only difference was uh, they cut out a couple of the shows, obviously from the eight day to the six day, but they repeated all of the main theater shows. The only one that uh, we had not seen previously was Country Roads. And I know that's not your favorite show. I've heard that uh, from some of the other reviews that you've done. Um, but I was a little bit disappointed we hadn't had a chance to at least see that one because that was one of the ones that, like I said, we had not seen before on previous sailings. We didn't take advantage of the main shows. The only one we tried to do was Flick because when I was on Carnival Liberty back in May, uh, I guess they had had some technical difficulties and they just did the singing version, so they didn't do the full Flick show. So we wanted to see that again because we had seen it on Vista and enjoyed it. And the funny part was is they came on uh, about 10 minutes after the show was supposed to start, the cruise director came out and said they were having technical difficulties oh, again, so the, the cast was going to uh, do a singing version of Flick. So I've missed it twice now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, overall, it was enjoyable, and they offered you know plenty of entertainment around the ship outside of the, the main theater shows. Uh, we definitely enjoyed a lot of the comedy uh, shows. Uh, one of the comedians that was really good was Sam Damaris, and he was on the first week with us. Um, and we really enjoyed uh, his show, especially. Um, so we did more of the, like the comedy and just kind of wandering the ship in the evenings versus mainly doing the main uh, the main shows, which we typically do, especially when we have the kids with us. So they really enjoy that. And we did take advantage of a couple of the dive-in movies, uh, which we really enjoy being able to kind of be out under the stars and, and watching the movies. That's a lot of fun, too. I guess Flick does have a lot of moving parts because it's not just done on the stage. It's kind of done all over the theater. So I guess I could exactly. give them a, depending on how often it happens, give them a pass for that technical glitch there, I guess. How was the uh, the ship on sea days? Ship was very good. Um, you know, the nice thing about the Magic uh, is it has a lot of open deck space. Obviously, around the Lido and Serenity areas, it gets very, very crowded on the sea days, particularly around the common pinch points like Guys and Blue Iguana. But the nice thing is, is you can get around like Deck 5. They have all that open promenade space. Uh, with the hot tubs down there on deck five. Uh, and there's plenty of outdoor seating, both in the sun and then in the shade, depending on what side of the ship you're on. So when we got kind of tired of being up top with all the, you know, the noise and the crowd, we would just go down to deck five and spend a couple hours in the afternoon reading or enjoying some time, you know, just watching the waves go by. So that's a great uh, venue as well. And then, uh, of course, the Dream Class offers the aft pool area, which was uh, really nice. We enjoyed that as well. Always like having those aft views and, um, you know, having an extra pool back there also helps, too. So, uh, you know, we really enjoyed all the outside space that Magic offered. With it being a summer sailing and a lot of kids on board, was the aft pool adults only or was it a family pool? It was a family pool, um, which I kind of expected it probably was going to be. On sea days, you know, you really couldn't get in the pools. So we took advantage of a couple port days when everybody was ashore, just enjoying time on the ship and, you know, only having two or three other people in the pool with you. So that's when we would take advantage of that. It was really nice. And speaking of the ports, you hit quite a few on this 14-night cruise, the 8-night and the 6-night combined. Um, So what we'll do here is just give us um, 
of the port and the highlight from that port, then move to the next one. Okay. On the eighth day, we uh, first day out from Fort Lauderdale, we were in uh, Half Moon Key, uh, which was the first time for us visiting the island. Tendering was really easy process for those that either have faster to the fun or platinum. You know, you get uh, a, a priority tender arrangement. So we we met up at the assigned location. Um, they they quickly took us down to the tender, and we were over to the island. And it's just it's everything and more that the pictures show it to be. It was just incredible. Uh, my wife and I were just blown away. The beach is so nice. The sand is super soft. The water was just beautiful. I mean, I've I've never seen anything quite like it. I would say Disney's Castaway Key is a close second, just as far as you know the water and the clarity. Um, but Half Moon Key is just that—that that was awesome. So we really enjoyed the beach day there. And then the next stop was uh, Grand Turk, uh, which we've been to, of course, a number of times now with Carnival. Um, always a nice stop. But the unfortunate part for us is we had the conquest uh, had beat us there by a couple hours. Mm-hmm. So we decided, uh, it turns out wisely, to stay on the ship <laughs> that day. And we ran into a family uh, an hour or two after you know, everybody was going ashore. And they, they had come right back to the ship and said it was just bedlam down there with two ships uh, in port that day. So we enjoyed uh, having a fairly empty ship and uh, just kind of took it as a, as a you know, sea day to enjoy all the the things on board, um, do the water slides and things like that. And then our next stop, uh, one of our favorites is Aruba. Mm-hmm. And we had planned, I had booked an excursion, a UTV tour of the island, uh, which we had done uh, the same excursion with the kids uh, last year on Vista and really had a lot of fun. And we were looking forward to doing it again. Unfortunately, it was an afternoon tour. And I think the uh, first group uh, that had gone out in the morning, because we arrived at Aruba, I think it was about 10 a.m., so our shore excursion was at 1.30. Uh, they had asked us to meet promptly down uh, outside the Diamonds uh, International. And uh, by about 1.50, 20 minutes after our pickup, you know, nobody had shown up. There was no information. There were a couple other families down there with us. Um, and one of the gentlemen called his uh, shore excursion provider because he had booked it through somebody else and found out that they had been delayed with some traffic and they were on their way, but they didn't have an ETA yet. So, the good news for us was is we decided to bail out of the excursion. We hadn't paid a deposit. It was just a reservation only. You didn't have to pay until you arrived. Um, so we told them our name just so they weren't waiting on us when they did finally get there. But we went back to the ship and just kind of hung out. Uh, we didn't get to do as much in Aruba as we had originally wanted to, but we did enjoy some shopping around there in the port. We did walk a few blocks down and check out uh, a little bit of Aruba that we hadn't seen before. So uh, we made the best of it and had a good day, but it was a little bit disappointing. So if you're going to do a UTV uh, adventure, I would uh, recommend, uh, you know, going through Carnival. Um, and at least that way, you know, you're ensured that uh, things will be on time. And if not, they'll take care of you. So we are planning to go back next year on the horizon. And I think I'll book that tour through uh, through Carnival directly next time. Next port of call, um, I'm just trying to think here, would it be Carousel? Yeah, we okay. went to was Curacao. That? that was our last port um, on the eighth day, and uh, really enjoyed that. Um, we just did a, a walking. We got off the ship. We'd been there before. Um, Curacao is such a, you know, you're right there in the city of Wimstead. Um, so we uh, took a walk over the, the floating bridge, and uh, we, we took a good walk. We probably walked a good mile and a half or so down into town. We just kind of wanted to see more of it. Uh, and we circled back around, and we ended up stopping there on the river, and checked out the uh, the Blue Curacao experience. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, they, they kind of give you a little tour of 
how they make the the blue curacao, and uh, they had some great drinks there. I know a lot of folks uh, stop and enjoy the Iguana Cafe there on the river. Mm -hmm. So this is just the way, just a, a block or so down from that. Just a really nice day, and it was a beautiful day in Curacao, and we really enjoyed it. So we'll we'll look forward to our next uh, our next time there. It's just such a nice, friendly city, and everybody's uh, you know really nice and pleasant there. John, before you move to the next segment of the cruise, so you get back to Port Everglades. How does that transition work between um, the eight night and the six night? So it's real easy. Um, they give you instructions the night before with a letter that asks you to to meet at in the lounge, one of the lounges at about ten fifteen. So you go down there. They meet up. They take your uh, previous week's sign and sale card, they give you a new one, and then they give the old one back to you. Um, so basically, they check you out, uh, they scan you out, and then uh, give you your new card. So when you come back on board, you're ready to go. And um, we went back to the atrium. They took a group picture, gave us all some champagne to enjoy while the the last of the uh, remaining passengers left the ship. And then uh, they walked us down to customs. We were hoping to have a little bit more time between the two uh, sailings, but Customs was very backed up that day, so we ended up um, actually not even having to show our passports. The Customs gentleman came over and said, just take them back to the ship. So we went back on, and then they started normal boarding right behind us. So we didn't get to enjoy the ship uh, as empty as long as we had hoped. But you know, we did take advantage of being kind of the first ones back on board, and we ran down to the Red Frog Pub and, and enjoyed our two uh, free beers <laughs> for being the first ones down there. Um, so if you're a back-to-back -back guest, make sure you run down to the Red Frog Pub if you want some free beer. Uh, uh, you know, you can usually be the first ones down there. I like uh, that but it was a really easy process, and uh, you know, they certainly make it as painless as possible. I like that they give you champagne to enjoy while you're waiting to disembark as you're waving goodbye fools to everyone else who's yeah, disembarking. Yeah, you know, it feels <laughs> a little home. weird. You know, it's like, I should be going home. That's like that last night of the eight day. We felt like we should be packing and getting ready to go home. And, and uh, it's just kind of an odd feeling when you're used to being done. But uh, we were excited to be able to continue on. Now let's uh, continue on to the second leg in the ports. And what did you do in each port? So on the sixth day, our, our stop, uh, we had a sea day. And then we were back to Half Moon Key. And boy, am I glad we were fortunate. Uh, the sailing before ours on the first leg uh, didn't get to go into Half Moon Key. It was too rough. But on both sailings, we were able to get in and tender into the island, which was really nice. Unfortunately, the second week, we had a lot of the seaweed coming up on the shore. And with it, it brought a lot of uh, sea life and everything with it. And so there were lots of little crabs and things floating and swimming in the water. And uh, we saw a blue octopus while we were out there, which was kind of cool. But it wasn't nearly as enjoyable of a beach day just because of all the seaweed, uh, you know, being out in the water and up on the beach. Um, so I felt kind of sorry for those that were on the sixth day because they didn't get to see it as, I mean, it was absolutely pristine the week before. And then, the, you know, the next week it was uh, not as nice. But uh, we, were, we were very fortunate to be, able to, to be able to go in both weeks. So we were thankful for that. Next stop was back to Grand Turk. And since we were the only ship in port that day, uh, we took advantage and got off and went to Margaritaville and hung out by the pool. Uh, enjoyed a couple hours of swimming and watching the flow rider and, uh, you know, just enjoying a nice day uh, off the ship. And then our last stop on the sixth day was to Amber Cove, which we had not been to. Um, so we were looking forward to exploring that. Uh, so we got off and checked out the port area, walked around through the shops and checked out the pool. Really impressed with the facilities. We didn't get off intending to stay the day at the pool because Margaritaville had gotten really crowded towards the middle part of the day. And we thought, well, Amber Cove's going to do the same thing, and it ended up holding the crowds better. Mm -hmm. Although I will say I think a lot of folks took excursions in Amber Cove, so I think that kind of helps with the crowd control. 
but we wanted to kind of scope it out because we're going back uh, in November on the new Staten Dam uh, to Amber Cove. So we're looking forward to uh, taking the kids and we're going with my parents. So we wanted to scope it out and kind of, you know, see what we wanted to do for, for that day when we're back. So we're, we'll look forward to going back to that. It was a really nice port and I was pleasantly surprised. I, was, I didn't have super high expectations for it and it turned out to be a really nice port. Were there any um, ramblings of Amber Cove being dangerous or anything like that? Because I know it's been in the news um, early yeah, summer a lot. My parents were joking with us before we left. They, they you know, they were texting us and like, don't get off the ship, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had seen John Heald. I follow his page very closely and he had posted something a day or two before we left. Um, and he said, you know, I want to assure everyone that our port facilities there, all the beverages and food are imported um, you know, through this certain provider that they use for other ports throughout the Caribbean. So everything is brought into the island. It's not there from the Dominican Republic. So, you know, we felt very safe, particularly staying, you know, within the compound. Um, some of the other passengers on board with us, you know, they, I heard people talking, you know, I don't know what we should be doing. You know, we're, we don't know if we're going to do a short excursion. You know, I'd heard a few people had canceled theirs um, just out of, you know, being cautious, but, mm-hmm never heard or saw any problems. And like I said, you know, we never had any concerns while we were there. So I'm glad I saw that from John, but, uh, you know, it, it, it seems to have kind of quieted down since we've gotten back. Yeah. I guess there's always like the, the big story that's there for what, two weeks and it kind of goes away, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that the worst of it's behind us. So there was only half moon, Grand Turk and Amber Cove for the second leg. Yeah, that's it. And then we had two sea days, one okay. at the beginning and one at the end. So gotcha. it was nice, nice ports, all enjoyable beach days or pool days. Um, you know, didn't have to do anything if you didn't want to, but there's lots of options there if you're, you know, wanting to, to be more adventurous than we are. <laughs> yeah. On the dream class of ships, you have to walk through the casino or just to the side of it to go forward or aft. Uh, how was the smoke? Smoke was really bad. Mm. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'm pretty sensitive to it as well, but um you know, one or two nights, we wanted to kind of play a few slots uh, in the casino, and we could only make it about 10 or 15 minutes before it kind of ran us out of there. They did have good ventilation. You know, as you approached the casino, you couldn't smell it. It was really once you walked past kind of the entryway. So I will say at least, you know, they did a good job kind of keeping it out of the rest of the ship. It didn't pollute the atrium like it did when we were on the Miracle, you know, kind of spread out a little bit more from the casino. Um, But unless you were in the casino, you know, it really didn't bother you. So that was the good part of it. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. Um, You actually had to get off the ship this time for good. Uh, How was your debark process? It was uh, really smooth. We were very sad to go, uh, mm-hmm. but we were look, looking forward to getting home and seeing the kids. But uh, smooth process. Um, we did the um, self-assist, so we you know we went, went down to the lounge. Didn't have to wait long at all before they cleared the ship. You know we were off the ship and in the parking deck and headed out within probably fifteen or twenty minutes of, of when we had gone down. So. Nice and easy, quick, off the ship, uh, no complaints at all. Any first-time tips to offer someone maybe doing a back-to-back or sailing carnival magic? Yeah, if you're going to be doing a back-to-back, definitely try to score the same cabin both weeks if you can. Um, You know, it's not a big deal if you can't. Uh, They will help you move your belongings between sailings if need be. Um, But it was so nice to be able to just unpack once and not have to worry about it again until two weeks later. Um, when we were ready to go. So definitely an advantage there. And then if you're sailing Carnival Magic, you know, like I said, it's an awesome ship. The crew is fantastic. Um, I've got to give uh, big uh, kudos to Simon London, the uh, cruise director, 
really did a nice job. Just a super nice guy. I got to speak with him, you know, as we were leaving the ship on our on our last leg, and uh, you know, talked to him for a little bit. Just as nice as you could be. And his uh, announcements, you know, were never overbearing. He was always really good at the shows, and anytime he was. Uh, doing any of the activities, the lip sync battle, all of that, you know, his hosting activities. We really enjoyed uh, having Simon as our cruise director. So um, if he is on board the sailing that you go on, you're in for a treat because he is an awesome guy, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy uh, sailing with him. So overall, Magic is a wonderful ship. Uh, We really enjoyed our time on her, and, uh, you know, it felt like home for two weeks, and we were sad to to leave at the end of it. (laughs) And there were probably people drinking champagne as you were walking off the ship this time. You know, I didn't notice because we were no. so early getting off. I <laughs> yeah. think we were about an hour or two ahead of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sure there were uh, some folks doing that. And, uh, you know, they were in for a treat because they got to go on the eight-day on the next go-around, which I think it was doing eight-day Eastern on that one. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been fun if we could have done a back-to-back-to-back. But uh, I'll have to wait till I get uh, closer to retirement or something like that. <laughs> it's the cruiser circle of life. Um, your final there thoughts. You yeah, your final thoughts of Carnival Magic. It's a great ship. Uh, service was excellent. The crew is amazing. They really made for an outstanding vacation. And as far as our first back-to-back experience, it was wonderful. And uh, you know, just Carnival does a great job. They made it super easy. Never had any complaints, and that's why we keep going back. Carnival takes care of us, and it's been a wonderful experience. John, it's always good talking to you, my friend. You too, Doug. Thanks so much for having me back. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. You are still listening to this podcast, and can I ask you a favor? It'll take 30 seconds, I promise. Could you leave a review wherever you listen to this show from, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play? I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.